Hi folks, before we start the podcast, a quick appeal to you who are listening to please support us. If you could, we rely on you. No ads, no sponsors. We just ask people to go to patreon.com forward slash tortoise and see if there's a level that they're happy to help us. It's a price for a fancy cup of coffee once a month and it helps keep these microphones on and these conversations happening. And you get lots for it. There's, there's one consolidated feed where you get all our podcasts in one place and you don't have these inserts of me pleading with you to try and support us as well as, you know, invites and discount codes off live shows and all the other things that go with it. Please do consider supporting us because there's, there's no other way to keep this Tortoise Shack project going uh, and it really, really helps. It's really appreciated. That's one more time, patreon.com forward slash Tortoise Shack and I'll let you listen to this podcast that we recorded yesterday in relation to the cabinet memo on housing refugees from fleeing war in Ukraine. Um, thank you. <laughs> Welcome to Reboot Republic, the podcast that goes behind the headlines and looks at the big issues in this republic of inequality. We are the podcast of solutions and the podcast of hope, and I'm your host, Rory Hearn. Joined today, back in the pod again, by the one and only wonderful Tony Groves. Tony, how are you? Rory, I'm not too bad. I've, as you know, um, got down, down with down with the down with a little bit of that that, that bug that everybody got. But anyway, yeah. hopefully, hopefully You're, it's... Uh, um, the the disinfectant combined with the vaccine didn't work, no. No, and neither did the laser treatment and the and the, the drinking bleach. But nonetheless, no. Yeah, look, it's grand. Honestly, I'm just I, you. You know, you know what it's like. Where everybody, it seems, it seems to have gotten gotten everybody in the end. I suppose so. Look, yeah, it is no, what it's it is. Around all right, but you're doing okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, I just we wanted to do this because, uh, you've been talking for weeks now about the opportunities in the crisis. And I know that sounds terrible sometimes to frame it like that, but let's, let's be clear on this. Other people see opportunities to make money from these things and to, to, to benefit from them. You've been talking about how what's happened in, and we're now two months into the war in Ukraine. I spoke to Leslie Vasilenko yesterday and it was literally the two month anniversary of, of the invasion. And, um, when you think about what all, all that's changed in, in terms of, 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 how we've tried to, to deal with what is it now, Rory, in excess of 22, 23,000 Ukrainian yeah. refu- refugees. Um, you've been, I'm, I'm gonna, you, you can, you can shut me up now, but you've been underwhelmed. I put it to you. Yeah, by the government's response. Yeah, I, I really felt I was on to you about we'd been TikToking over and back about doing this podcast today because it's the government was, it was been built up over the last couple of days that there would be this big announcement. Um, in how they were responding, because we have reached the point where um, in terms of the use of hotels, emergency accommodation, hostels, we're now seeing warehouses, we're seeing the tents down in Mill Street, possibly other places, barracks been used um, to house Ukrainian refugees. And this, it was, you know, <laughs> we've been, the, the war is horrific and you feel so powerless. Um, in terms of what we can do to try and stop war and stop wars. But, you know, one thing we can do is provide, rightfully, provide support and homes for refugees. Um, And the thing about it, what I've been really worried about over the last kind of two weeks has been the way the narrative is changing. And it started with the, um, the publication of the Housing for All update by the government, where they inserted that, you know, their targets under housing for all, which they plan to meet, you know, they're now 
in question essentially or are in severe challenge because of the need to respond to the Ukraine refugee um, emergency. And immediately the red lights were flashing for me going, oh, here we go now. The bloody Ukraine refugees are going to be blamed for the government missing its housing targets. Um, when, of course, we had a housing emergency before any refugee came into this country. Are we a housing emergency with refugees already in direct provision been ignored? Can, can, can I ask, can I say one thing? Just be, and then I just want to make remind listeners, if you remember, Rory, you were there for the beginning when Rebuilding Ireland was launched. And the first pillar was that they would build um, 25,000 homes a year, on average of 25,000 homes a year over the course of the of the plan. And then a, a year later, they went in and they said, we will get, we will be building 25,000 homes by the last year of the plan. Yeah, And exactly. they changed that line and they, yeah. got, and they were allowed to do it. And no one actually said, well, hang on, there's a huge difference between 125,000 homes and now building 25,000 homes at the end of, at the end of it, which by the way, they still didn't do. They, they never got more than 19,000 in, in yeah. rebuilding Ireland. They never got near it. But, but my point being, when they got to change the goalpost so quickly into it, Everybody else just shrugged and moved on, except for people like you and me who are like going, no, hang on, this is wrong. And now you're absolutely right to flag this change because it's a significant um, back down from what were supposed to be more ambitious targets than rebuilding Ireland. Yeah. And I think that the key thing is, you know, I'm hearing and I'm sure you are, too, that people are getting very frustrated because people are being evicted right now across the country from their homes. People are waiting years and years on housing waiting lists. People are emigrating currently because of the housing crisis. And they're seeing in the, in the media this, this you know, government saying we're going to introduce emergency measures. We're going to, you know, use social housing. And you can hear, I can hear it. People are saying, you know, oh, they're doing this for the refugees and they couldn't do that for us. You know, and you named it yourself in terms of, you know, on the weekend in, in the tweet on the the othering, you know, mm -hmm. and the fact that um, they couldn't do they it they for they, they those in direct provision because they're, you know, lesser types of refugees. And it's 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 really sad to see this. Yeah, um, we spoke to people in in different communities, including people in direct provision, waiting on, you know, people still waiting Months after they they they're working here, they've applied for different things and are working here. We saw the success recently of this, this stamp four um, for medical doctors. It's taken years to get this off the off the ground, and you know, to, to, so they can continue to work here and work in our health service. We've seen all of this, and they're looking around and like, okay, let's let's talk about the traveling community who who year after year see county council sending back their budgets that they won't spend on accommodation for yeah. them, and yeah. then you and then you see. That they're going to so yeah absolutely and the problem is the moment you do that you create that hierarchy of humanity and you say the there's a there's a there's a a waterfall or a trickle down and unfortunately now it, the, the message was quite clear we created an outgroup and that will I called it dangerous at the weekend I do think it's dangerous because it creates it creates a, a narrative of uh you know I'm not getting it because of demons. And once you start that, um, it, it, it creates that. And I think you use the word resentment. And I think yeah. that, and unfortunately, um, like uh, go listen to uh, Joella, Deborah and Benita talking about having three, about, you know, three different experiences, all of them because of the racist referendum, having to apply for Irish, Irish citizenship, you know? Yeah. Um, and you think of how they're treated here. And of course they're going to look up and not say, and, and say, Oh well, we can actually move all of these mountains um, if we choose to. So yeah, and, it does. And, and of course, 
the other side of that is the truth is they're not actually moving mountains. That they're, that they're actually portray, trying to portray and spin that they're moving mountains, which is even more frustrating. Even if they were moving mountains, mountains, you'd say if they actually were moving mountains, then you would say, OK, let's you know, that's great. Now let's move on to do it. But they're not even they're giving the perception they're spinning that they're actually doing something. You know, it's just it, it is so frustrating. But and I think this is really important that, you know, they were naming. We were expecting this announcement today yeah, of emergency yeah. measures. And I asked you to try and find out because I've been scouring the media today to try and see where are the emergency measures. And I can't see any. And the update from cabinet appears to be. There are none. Um, the plan is that there's a little bit more money for the things that we that they've already leaked in the media over the last few days. That's basically it. A, a focus on refur- refurbs, repurposing of buildings, emergency accommodation, hotels, paying more for some of these things. They haven't resourced even the 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 visits that you know that they need to do to see what what properties are are fit to take people in. So I mean, and and yeah, it's it's it, it, like. I was outlining that, you know, an emergency response means if you're actually doing an emergency response. And I thought, you know, it's significant that two things. Once the one, the government did accept that we had a housing emergency a year ago before any Ukrainian refugee came in here. We had they accepted we had an housing emergency. Then we had uh, Pascal Donahue, Minister for Finance on Morning Ireland last week, accept saying that this is an emergency. Um, I'm describing it as a triple emergency, and you could add any multiple numbers onto that. That in terms of we have the refugee humanitarian crisis, we have to respond to. That's one emergency. We have the existing homelessness emergency: twelve hundred families plus over two thousand eight hundred children in homeless accommodation. You can add to that the traveler accommodation emergency ongoing, direct provision, and then we also have a much wider housing emergency. That generation who are many are deciding to emigrate, see no prospect of being able to buy their own affordable home. And, you know, we see today, you know, 695,000 for a two bedroom home in, you know, in Wicklow. Like there are three emergencies. And I and I kind of said, as you were saying, starting from the outset, that this could be an opportunity in the sense of this could be unlocking. This could be the moment where we go, okay, look, we don't have the capacity to respond properly currently, but we could want to, mm. if the political will was there. And I made the point just as in COVID that, that was an actual emergency response. You know, they went to private hospitals and they said, you know, you need to come in on effectively nationalize them for a period of time um, and said, because we need this capacity in the public health system. Should never you have know? given them back by the way, but nonetheless, <laughs> but that was an actual, they introduced legislation, which included banning evictions and like I'm going now at the moment, like you could list policy after. Like, can I? Can I? Can I? I want to just go back to remind again. 29th of March, 2018. Then T. Shark Leo Varadkar actually declared homelessness was is a national emergency. Okay. Yeah. That was one of the first times that was under Owen Murphy's watch. Just 2019. Then T. Shark Leo Varadkar said that he's not ashamed of his government's record when it comes to it. Right. Um, and that would show you that if you're treating something as an emergency and you were going to make it, you were going to make actual progress, 
they had just broken all records from where we'd been in 2018 to 2019. If you remember, they kept trying to fudge the figures to keep it below 10,000. Yeah, you know, people yeah. getting like anybody getting owned or accommodation, albeit on a temporary nature, was taken off the list. All of these things were being done to, to suppress the numbers. So we know even the numbers we get aren't, you know, mm. they're not a full they're not a full account. So. We've, they've known it's been an emergency for, for the longest time. It's a new government, but let's face it, Fianna Fáil were supporting them from the opposition benches, and, but they were, in, they were in government together the last time as well. So they don't get a pass on this. And I do think, as you've pointed out so many times, the capacity is there, whether we, we look at holiday homes, whether we look at vacant buildings, whether we look at proper refurbs, uh, or, or we look at, you know, and we, we we try to roll this out. I saw people singing the praises this week of the Land Development Agency again. And um, I don't know if you spotted this, Rory, because it worries me, you know, because they've gotten all these all these planning permissions going out. And you and I know, well, they're all patting themselves on the back. There's a developer saying lovely at 465,000 euro a unit. It's it's great business. Um, you know, yeah, whereas whereas if you argued for a state building construction company, we might we might actually achieve something. Well, I, I think absolutely there was like there's two emergency things that I really thought we should be doing. Um, again, if you actually were acting as if as an emergency response, the first one would have been to reintroduce the ban on evictions. And I think that would have been a very important move that we should have seen this week that would have signaled, number one, you're stopping the flow into homelessness. So you're you're ensuring whatever minimal capacity there is, minimum capacity there is in terms of um, emergency accommodation, it is available rather than been filled up with more people. Um, but also you're showing that, okay, in this response to the Ukrainian crisis, we're also doing something for those here who are already affected by the crisis. And so therefore you see there's a sense of continuing solidarity rather than leading to resentment. And I really think that that eviction ban would be a key measure that should be done, that should be reintroduced. And, and the constitutional justification is given by this is an emergency. And I think there's no, we really should be pushing hard on that one. And the other thing is the state construction company, like everywhere we're hearing from, there's no capacity in the um, private building industry to do more. Uh, people say they can't get a plumber. And we know there are tens of thousands of construction workers in this country currently um, working on things like hotels, like um, short stay uh, tourist accommodation, like investor fund built to rent, like student apartments um, that will not be affordable, that could actually be much better diverted into building homes, into renovating um, vacant properties. But also we know there's lots of people who have the capacity and skills who would very quickly be trained up, who currently could be doing other jobs, that if the state provided permanent contracts, well-paid, number one, they would come back from abroad. And number two, we would get them from here and people would join in. And every time I announce, uh, suggest this on Twitter, the backlash from clearly the private building industry and construction industry and real estate investors. And I think it's one of the things. Finance has been the worst um, at, at, at targeting people online for this. Fine, like it's yes. it, it absolutely has to be said. Like the like Bank the, of Ireland real estate division, unbelievable. The guy from that who's on to me the whole time, every Unbe time. And when you point out the amount of assets they have under management, um, they like, I mean, first of all, it just, it just in terms of Twitter, no, it's only Twitter. 
guy had me blocked and starts replying underneath me and quote tweeting me while having me blocked because I'm pointing out the amount of assets he has on like he's he's not an impartial observer. This is yeah, it's it's his salary depends on him supporting this this delivery model. And I mean, you know, um, like if we just look at it from from the last from from like the the, the last statistics that that we saw 2020 and 2021 how the housing delivery numbers are flat but it's a 30 30 increase across the country in apartments yeah um, 25% of all completions were apartments 9% drop in scheme homes which is what we would refer to kind of as you know in a, a development where people buy family homes yeah. that's a, that's a huge drop in a year mm. 10 10% and then 78% of new apartments were in dublin yeah. So what? So so when they start jumping down your throat and saying supply, 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 seventy eight percent, and all in Dublin of uh, in in that of in that cohort, how many of them go to market, Rory? Nowadays, like they're very telling, little. They're all pre bought, bulk purchased. They, makes they, a nonsense of government claims that they were stopping bulk purchase of homes. And Seamus Coffee said to me, "Well, Tony, apartments are homes." And I said, "Wouldn't it be great, Seamus, if the government shared your view and made and and then pushed the investors out of that market so exactly. they could make homes of them?" Yeah, uh, it's an unaffordable two grand a month for a one bed or a two bed is not a home. No, I, I mean, like and, I got- and and that is, but but I do think the state construction company is a key one, um, because this crisis of capacity is not going anywhere, and we see that. What they're talking about, one of the emergency measures that was floated is this idea of extending the building hours that builders can build. So basically, you're telling the existing building workers, who we know is a very difficult job, to uh, you're going not, to, be not, not to mention potentially da- dangerous, you know. Yeah. Rather than extending the capacity, getting more people employed in it. Um, and, and I think that, you know, an emergency response would, and, and the, with the other thing that they've said they're doing is setting up a subcommittee of the cabinet and it's like a uh, come on here you know <laughs> yeah, a committee to monitor the committee it's yeah no it, look I, I i i actually can see how exasperated you are at the moment oh. and and i can just see it like so it's it's but when you when you put the in, in the context they are they are doing good pr you know they've yeah. said a lot of positive stuff they've come out and they've said that oh, we're doing this that and the other but the rubber hasn't hit the road in so many situations but and, even even the social housing one, they were, you know, thrown around figures. And a lot of this, I think they, they they think people are just going to not really look at the figures in detail. And of course, a lot of people don't have time, um, but they think they'll bamboozle as they always have done in this housing with, with figures. Like they were saying they're going to find, you know, thousands of social housing voids. But, you know, it's complete, again, spinning because the number of social housing voids that are actually there are, you know, between, there's around 4,000 social housing voids. Mm-hmm. But a, a substan- about 500 of those are earmarked for demolition, right? For regeneration, they're going to be regenerated. So they can't be brought back in because they're part of schemes where they're going to demolish them and, and build new ones. These are ones that are really, you know, outdated, dilapidated. They've completely gone. Um, and then also amongst those, there are units that just become vacant and someone has you know, either died or moved on. And so they're in the reletting process. They're not like a vacant property that has sat there for 10 years. And then obviously there is some level of vacancy as well. And it's in certain counties more than others. But even the number 4,000, mm. as you said, there's 60,000 vacant holiday homes. There's 90,000 private properties vacant. There are 30,000 minimum vacant commercial 
we have no idea how many of those um, old commercial type homes in our town centers that are derelict. There's nobody counting those except Frank, <laughs> myself yeah. and others who are putting them up on derelict Ireland. But there's no count of them. But like they're the buildings we should be going after because but they're not. Because no, they and uh, nothing. I know this is going to but I think it must be four, four, four and a half years ago when we were in that building on North Frederick Street that yeah. take back the city took and we interviewed yeah. inside and then the then the uh, the guardie came in and threw them out into the street and to go by that every time now as you go into town still sitting vacant still still sitting still vacant. yeah it's, that's a crime yeah that's that's a crime that's the, yeah. that that's a that's dereliction of democracy not just yeah. so you know but but again it's it's like it's where I hear as well Heinz are offering um their land to be used on mm. a temporary basis for modular housing as well which is you know great to Heinz yeah. all go for it you know at least they're offering something um but you know there's as but there's thousands and thousands of units been built that are we know sitting vacant the you know there's the student accommodation again this is potential but it just yeah I am so frustrated because there's two things I'm really frustrated about one is that some of government to use this crisis as an excuse for not meeting targets that are is their own responsibility. That is one of my big frustrations. The second one is that the solidarity, the, the, the danger of rising racism and anti-refugee sentiment from the government blaming essentially the Ukraine refugees for not, you know, responding and for, and, you know, claiming they're doing all these measures when they're not even doing them, that, we thought the days were dark. This is a darker days ahead if we don't, I think, really come out and I suppose challenge that. We really have to challenge it, that there is the capacity to do both. Well, actually, you've done you've you've actually the struggle for I know they're all people are suffering in different ways, but the struggle of someone who's in a in a homeless hub or a family hub, as they like to call them now. And, and someone who's uh, facing a notice to quit and someone who can't who has to move home because they, they can't afford to to save for a deposit and someone who is wondering what you know why can't they get somewhere to rent all of these things it's joining it's connecting those struggles as opposed to playing them off against one yeah. another and that's yeah. what's really crucial here because you know one of the old phrases we use in finance all the time is what gets measured gets done and it's an awful awful one but one of the great skills this government, the previous administration, got away with was removing so many things from the from the housing waiting list and from the homelessness list. You know, by using HAP as a as as long term, they yeah. did say, and changing you know changing the meaning of every, getting everybody off the rent rent assistance onto HAP and all of these things and how they were able to fudge the figures. But like uh, the T-shock a few weeks ago was in Helsinki, um, and meeting with the the prime minister there and. No one, th- no one thought to ask him. Uh, by the way, how did, uh, how did you guys eradicate homelessness? Mm-hmm. I, I could, I couldn't believe no one thought to ask that. Like, I mean, yeah. you're standing beside a country that had the exact. Well, sorry, we had about what was it? Peter McVeary told us somewhere around fifteen, sixteen hundred people in homeless around two thousand and eight in that window to two thousand and eleven as things started to get bad. Then we we started to go up. Same time in Helsinki, they had the same in sorry in, in Finland, they had the same number. And now they're down to sort of 50, 60. And uh, you know, and they 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 use housing first in a real way, not in a piecemeal way that and, we and talk a key about. Thing they, they, what they set up was a, a homelessness 
essentially a social company that was directly focused on providing homes mm. to those who were homeless. Front, front door accommodation and, and none of the and they don't come in with the, the basis of what we do in Ireland. If you have a dual diagnosis, we throw you out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, it's going to be, uh, you know, a, a time as in the next coming weeks and months where we're going to have to keep, I think, challenging the these various forms of spin that have been put across. And also this the idea that, um, well, an emergency when emergency response isn't actually an emergency response and that the response needs to address all the emergencies um i'm even thinking like the, the latest homelessness figures are going to be out at the end of this month um and i'm wondering like how are these going to be portrayed you know what what you know how where it even fits and we'll need to keep a focus on that as well if I could just wrap up one thing, just threshold what said they prevented over two and a half thousand people from entering homelessness in the in the first quarter of this year. If you 2, think of two thousand five hundred, yeah, yeah. In, in the, and that's just that's the people that they successfully prevented yeah. from entering homeless. Can you imagine yeah. as what what is actually what is real the reality out there right now in the middle in the teeth of rising inflation? And uh, and people facing into a market where there's no availability, yeah. that which to, comes back to the need for the the ban on evictions again. Of course, of course, and you that's know? what I suppose that's why I want to end with it. And by the, yeah. and, you know, and do check out threshold.ie. I know I bang on about it if you, but if you are in rental distress and you're and you're listening to this, you know they can't support you, they can't help you through it, and they can tell uh, landlords who are playing fast and loose with the rules that they can't. But, um, you know, absolutely. Yeah, no, no, Threshold are doing great work. And it is it is important, you know, to highlight that's that good work been done. And I suppose we have to hold on to the hope again, you know, that there is through this that we will show and we will see that there are new ways and, and additional ways that the housing crisis can be solved and we can welcome refugees as well and provide actual homes. Because, of course, the other thing is that it's not acceptable that refugees are left in warehouses, tents, or direct provision. No, absolutely and, not. And that has to be called out too. Listen, Tony, great to chat as always. Appreciate it. You're back on Thursday with uh, Robert Sweeney. That's the plan from Task. Yeah, Looking hopefully discussing the uh, the latest report they did on um, land and its use, of course, central to housing. Um, and we also, of course, people can listen back to, we talked to Siobhan Donahue from mm. Uplift and they have the petition um, running online on that in terms of supporting the response to the Ukraine um, refugee crisis as well. So humanitarian catastrophe and our support for refugees. So you can check that out, uplift.ie and listen back to that as well. And that's it, Tony, I guess. Yep, that's it, folks. We'll see you. We, hope, we, we might have some live show news for you in the next few days and yeah. we'll put and it out as we go. As always, uh, thank you so much to our patrons, those who are supporting us to keep the show on the road. This is completely volunteer. Um, volunteer? I wouldn't quite say volunteer. It is basically... the Altruism. 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 <laughs> the, the blood, sweat and tears of uh, through COVID's, Tony's COVID eyes and uh, is uh, still producing. Um, Tony produces the podcast, as we know, Tortoise Shack Media, um, that he runs... And it's completely reliant on him. They wouldn't exist without him. Uh, great star he is. Um, and, you know, please, as we'd say, uh, you probably would never in your wildest dreams like to uh, take me or Tony out for a pint or a cup of coffee. So to avoid doing that, just become a patron. Go over to 
Patreon, patreon.com forward slash tortoise track. Sign up for whatever you can each month and you'll get the podcast first. We'll talk to you all soon. <laughs>